Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Sunday, August 6th, 2017. This is episode 46, Vocal Pedagogy for Young Singers, Developing Good Tone Quality. Today's episode is going to take things a step further than previous podcast episodes. You're going to hear a full-blown master workshop today. This is a clinic that I've presented many times in many different formats over the years. Sometimes it's been with my own students. Sometimes it's been with other young students from other schools. And I've also done this for teachers, whether they be in a school district or at a music conference. It's so important that we as teachers not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. It's one thing to talk about good tone quality and what our singers should be doing, but it's quite another thing to be a vocal model. We should always be striving to improve ourselves, and these exercises I'm going to be doing today and various concepts I'm going to be reviewing are ones that we need to make sure that we are doing ourselves. Before we get into ways to develop and improve tone quality, I'd like to share some of these approaches I've used for many years in both private lessons and chorus rehearsals, as well as the classroom. They're a combination of silly, serious, entertaining, and fun. The perfect recipe for elementary-aged students. What I'm going to do right now is give you a series of different voices. I want you to just simply listen, take it all in, and then we'll get back to it in just a moment. We'll get into it a little later on and talk about ways that we can address these different voices because these are issues that many of us encounter as teachers with students of all ages. Well, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. I hope that this session provides you with different ideas to take away. Well, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. I hope this session provides you with ideas to take away. With some people in this world, there's a twang as clear as day. And their vows are sometimes a disaster. Dip thongs, trip thongs. Oy vey. Hello, my name is Tim Rausenberger. I've been teaching music for over 20 years. You can probably tell that one of my best friends in the whole wide world is Kermit the Frog. But Kermit tends to talk with his larynx raised really high. That means his Adam's apple is very, very high if you watch very carefully. We'll find out how we can make that Adam's apple go back down later on in this workshop. I could use my normal voice, which you'll find much more appealing. <laughs> As a man or a boy with a changing voice, I love my falsetto. 
M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. It's great to be here with you today. And it is great to be here with you today. Now, obviously, I don't do all of those voices in one lesson. That would be memory overload. Hopefully, you can take these concepts and incorporate them into your own arsenal. They're all related to tone quality, and we're going to tackle some of those issues in just a bit. Before we get into tone quality, I think we need to discuss that word, tone. More specifically, tone versus timbre versus texture. After several voice teachers, dozens of masterclasses, years of research in books, journals, as well as the internet, I'm not sure if anyone has a clear definition of the word tone. Recently, I visited websites to find out what their interpretation was of the word tone. And many of them will tell you that there's an absolute difference between tone and timbre. Yet, I, the last three sites that I just looked up on the internet when they gave the definition for the word tone and they did a side-by-side -side with timbre, the words were exactly the same. And one quick comment about YouTube before we move on. There are a lot of what I like to call so-called voice experts. And some of them have questionable advice, I think, at best. I think that students need to be very careful when they're watching videos of these teachers on YouTube. Some people are outstanding. I've gotten some great ideas from, from people through various videos, but there have been some other people who ugh, not really sure about if they're they've done the proper research or they just believe in their mind that what they're doing is uh, good for singers. Uh, some of the things that they do can have an adverse effect on tone quality. Uh, this past year alone, I had a student that was in, she was in fourth grade. Her parents were insistent on taking lessons through YouTube videos. She wasn't actually, the student was not actually studying with the instructor. She was just listening to this person give advice. And the person was encouraging students to sing anything that they wanted, including even opera arias, which for a nine-year-old, that's, I think one thing we can probably agree on, that's kind of outrageous when you are trying to be someone that you're not and trying to make your voice do things that it's not meant to do at a certain age. There's nothing wrong with singing any style of music as long as you are singing it within your own voice and what your voice is comfortable doing. So I'm not going to spend the whole session on that, but I want to get to the classical definition of those three words that I mentioned. Tone, timbre, and texture. Tone, very simply, the, the classical definition is the balance of frequencies present in a sound. 
it essentially means one pitch. This is not to be confused with timbre. Now, timbre is the characteristic sound of an instrument. It allows you to distinguish one instrument or voice from another. Timbre is actually tone quality. So today's workshop has to do with developing good timbre. It's not so much the word tone because timbre allows us to differentiate the voices. Now texture, that's a different type of musical voices in a piece of music or the overall sound created by multiple voices. Now I say voices because that can apply also to instruments. We're now going to get into timbre and we're going to discuss the desired tone qualities, timbres, that we want from our students. One thing I'd like you to just take a moment and write down to get an, a, a better understanding of what we seek in ourselves and we seek in our students. When you think of the word music as a whole, just music as a whole in the world, what type of timbre do you enjoy? What do you desire to hear? Singing. Or it could be instruments. And I'm talking about singing as a whole. What do you prefer for singing? What types of tones, again, timbres, do you prefer? Finally, young singers. Singers in elementary school. So just think of those three categories for a moment. Music. Singing and young singers. Now, if we get into good tone quality for all three of them, I think that one word which may come about, hopefully with all three of them, could be the word pleasant, emotional, clear, free, expressive, unobstructed. You may have some other words of your own which could have fallen to any of those three categories. I think that the ones that I just went through really apply for young singers and one other word, which I think is really important, pure. Being yourself, that pure, innocent sound that we can hear from students whose voices have not changed yet. Now, there are exercises and analogies you can use with elementary singers. And you should never be afraid to teach them some of the quote-unquote big words. 
Younger students get very excited when they know they're learning vocabulary meant for the older kids. And when you keep the exercises appropriate for the, their age level, but you use those big words, they get really, really excited. Let's go back to the intro for a minute. Vowels. What were some of the problems in the singing and speaking exercises with my vowels? If you go back to the first part where I was simply speaking to you, well, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. I hope this session provides you with ideas to take away. And then if I were to sing it, well, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. That is obviously nasal singing. Almost all of the sound is coming through the nasal passage and not coming out of the mouth. But one quick thing that you, a quick way that you can find out if somebody is singing nasal, and actually you'll be able to know, but to show them is to simply have them plug their nose, take their fingers and just plug the nostrils. And, well, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. Well, if they plug their nose, and I'll do it as I'm speaking. Well, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. I hope this session... You can hear what happened right away when I plugged my nose. It's a great way to show a, a, a student uh, if they're having a lot of issues with, with nasality in their singing. Nasality is often the result of a breathing imbalance and a high tongue. All right, what does that mean? Well, it means that their breathing is inconsistent as it's coming out of their body. And the tongue is arched very, very high. There are three different exercises, and there are a lot of things you can do with nasality. I'm just going to be throwing out some of my ideas, and then you can do some research on your own and find things that could work for you and maybe go a bit, a bit further. One exercise that I do for breathing is one that's done very, very commonly in uh, a lot. I've seen it done in lots of chorus rehearsals, and it's a great way to work on the diaphragm and working on breathing being steady. This is also really, really great for students that play wind instruments. I'll do this, uh, I, I'm a, in addition to being a singer, I specialize in teaching wind instruments, uh, more specifically brass instruments. And brass playing and singing practically go hand in hand with one another. So here's, here's a breathing exercise you can do. You're gonna breathe in through the nose for a certain number of beats. Right now we'll say four beats and then out through the mouth for a certain number of beats. And in this case, we'll also do four. And we're going to do it on the letter S, like a hissing snake. Those of you who have uh, radiators at home, uh, the older, older uh, radiators, you will probably recall that sound which may come from them it, it sounds just like that or if a car has overheated and the radiator of a car is overheated that's the same sound going to breathe in through the nose for four beats and then out through the mouth for four beats on an s like so and i'm just going to click with my fingers just to keep the time 
Now the question you want to ask, did you have any breath left over? More often than not, the hands are going to shoot straight up in the air and they're going to have air that's going to be left over. So you say, okay, now we're going to challenge you. We're going to do in for four beats. This time we're going to go out for eight beats and remember to keep the S steady. So if this happens, this is going to be four in and eight out. If this happens, If you were listening carefully, you probably noticed that the S was very inconsistent. Some of them were louder than others. No good. So we want to keep it nice and steady. Eventually, you're going to go in for four beats, out for 12. In for four, out for 16. Then go to uh, in for two beats, out for eight. In for two beats, out for 16. You can also do it where... If you want to have this, the, the sensation of uh, tension and release, you can breathe in through the nose where the, the breath is almost like caught in the shoulders. You'll see the shoulders go up really, really high uh, and everything's really, really high and not really detached. It's very detached from, from um, the air coming down low. Uh, to be able to teach that concept, what you can do is breathe in through the nose and just hold it. And you can even talk like this before we actually allow the air to come out. Another way that you can work on breathing with students is, and you're, you're not going to do this in a course, at course rehearsal, but in a uh, private setting, uh, like a one-on-one -on -one setting, you can have the student uh, lay on the floor uh, on their back, stomach up, and place some weight in the form of, of some books. They're going to hold the books uh, right in the area where their belly is. And this is going to allow them to work on uh, all of the muscles down low, specifically the diaphragm. And you don't have to get into the big words immediately. You can if you'd like to, but to get into those big words with a six, seven, eight-year-old, eventually, yes. The The concept is more important than getting into all of the, the detailed vernacular. Exercise number two, high tongue correction. What you're going to do is have students sing one pitch with a nasal voice on ah, then ask them to open their mouths as they sing. Let me show you what I mean. Now, I started off very, very nasal. I was still very, I was still nasal as I opened up my mouth. Not as much, only because, well, my mouth was open, and I may have realized as a young singer that as I opened my mouth, something may have changed in some type of way. Uh, kids that tend to sing nasal usually have, their mouths tend to be a, a little more closed, and the tongue is arched really, really high. So, to help the students 
who are having that that issue with relaxing that tongue, instead of uh, saying ah, and you can have them say, you know, ah, ah, then have them say the word ga, G-A-H, ga, ga, ga. By doing this, the G, that particular consonant is going to hit the hard palate, which is, of course, the top of your mouth. And hopefully, <laughs> the tongue is going to go down into a very relaxed position when it goes to the ah, ga, ga. For students who are having major issues with nasality, this is something they need to work on a lot so they can feel what that tongue is doing inside the mouth and then go into singing. Ga, 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 ga. Big difference. Exercise number three is for extreme high tongue situations. So you've done the first two exercises, specifically the high tongue correction, and it's not working. Now what do you do? If the students are still struggling, ask them to sing more uh, U-H, then ah. This will allow the jaw to drop even more, and then you can rein it back and come back to the ah sound once they've mastered this. So instead of ah, we can more, go more with an Ah, ah, as opposed to ah, ah, ah. Now, of course, the ah is a nice thing to teach anyway, because as we are going to be going higher with our voices, we're not going to want to sing with a very, very spread ah. It will sound ugly. You're going to be singing with an actual ah. Uh, which, of course, as we know, sounds like an ah. Vowels. Let's go back to the singing I did at the beginning, uh, which sounded like this. With some people in this world, there's a twang as clear as day. Now, some of you may say, oh, he sounds like someone from uh, maybe the South and is trying to do a, a poor Southern accent, I guess. <laughs> uh, and it's not meant in any bad way. I, I do it because there are different types of dialects all around the world, not just in the United States, uh, but places where the vowels will be changing as the, 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 the person is speaking. Uh, ways that we can work on the vowels, different types of exercises for, for vowels. Uh, let's take, for instance, uh, we're going to, we're going to get into happy birthday in just a moment, but we're going to start off with, and the reason we're going to use happy birthday is because it's a song that we all know really, really well, but you're going to use the space in your mouth without any tension at all. The exercise you're going to do is going to be an M on one pitch with relaxed lips and a rounded mouth. And when I say rounded mouth, they need to actually see what their mouths look like. You may have to, well, you're going to need them to get in to see themselves in a mirror or 
maybe the students face each other to make sure that they actually have a rounded mouth. And we actually want the mouth to be more like a long oval. So we're going to start off with an M with relaxed pitch, with a, a, a very, excuse me, relaxed lips on one pitch. Now, when you just did that, did you feel any tingling on your lips? If you didn't, you are too tense. Do that for a minute. Make the lips really, really tight this time. A lot of tension in your lips as you do the M. It's very, very forced. You'll still hear a little bit of, excuse me, you'll still feel a little bit of tingling, but not as much if there, there's a lot of tension in the lips. So let them relax. And then we're going to go slowly into an ah. Then, as we go into the ah, we're going to go back to the M. Just to get the sensation in your mouth of using the space, creating space. Anytime that our mouths are closed, we should always have a sensation of ah, and all the lips are doing is just, they're just closing. That's it. An extra exercise to encourage lip relaxation, do a motorboat sound ascending and descending with three notes. So instead of mm, or ah, we could do it with a motorboat sound. Then you go up by a half step. This is a great way to just get the lips relaxed and the kids are going to be laughing as they do it. But it's a fun exercise and it's a great way to get rid of the tension. You can sing five basic vowel sounds on one pitch while maintaining a rounded mouth. This is an excellent way to work on the vowels. And I, and I can't stress enough, with any of these exercises, always explain to your singers why they're doing what they're doing. Nothing drives me more crazy than singers who are doing these exercises with their choral directors or even with their voice teachers, and they don't know why they're doing them. That's, that's not good. <laughs> it's not good because... They need to understand the purpose of what you're doing. I don't think any of us, in, I don't think anybody enjoys doing extra work or doing any type of work if they don't know what they're doing the work to, for. It's like giving homework in class that a student can quickly figure out is busy work and it, it quite frankly annoys the student when they have to do that. So uh, it's important that you explain to your students why they're doing what they're doing. 
So this exercise, doing the five pure vowels, vowels, a, e, i, o, u. So the letter is a, e, i, o, and u, but singing them uh, first, doing it with a really, really open spread sound. A, e, i, o, u where they're moving their mouth like crazy, and they look really, really silly, and they sound awful. Now try to maintain a rounded mouth, that oval, with almost no movement at all. Then go up a half step. And so on and so forth. Don't sing vowels the exact same way you would normally speak. Speak happy birthday the usual way. And then sing happy birthday using the spoken approach. Happy birthday, or actually without the singing, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear whoever, happy birthday to you. Now overemphasize the vowels in a really obnoxious way. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear whoever. Happy birthday to you. Then we're going to try to sing it. See how the students do when they have to sing it. Are they using the same exact approach as they would speak it, or are they modifying their vowels? Happy birthday to... Did you hear that? Happy birthday to A, A. Happy birthday to you. So one way that you can work on this is eliminate the consonants altogether. Get rid of them. It's going to sound silly, but it works. Great way to work on the vowels, get rid of the consonants, and it will help your students to understand what they're doing, clean up their sound. Pitch placement. There are wonderful exercises for vowels and ways to create space, but these particular exercises uh, do not qualify when it comes to pitch placements. Now, let me show you what I mean. If you take an arpeggiated chord, a C chord, C-E-G, and we're going to do an arpeggiated chord only up a fifth and back down to, to the root. So... Uh, C E G E C. Ma 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 ma. Now that exercise is fine. That's a great way to work on, again, vowels and creating your space. But we're not going to do that for pitch placements. The idea here is to be light and to be polite. In terms of singers. And students who play instruments, this is the definition of staccato, light and polite. So staccato singing, not short, not, not to be confused with short, light and polite, we are 
trying to focus as much as we can on our pitch. And the great thing about doing an arpeggiated chord to accomplish this exercise is that you cannot, you don't have the opportunity to adjust what you're doing. See, when you're singing, ma, 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 ma. Ooh, did you hear that one that I just did at the end? I actually didn't hit the C at the end. I kind of hit like a C sharp and then uh, drop down to a C. That's the whole reason we're doing this. It's a great exercise to do with uh, with wind instruments as well. Uh, keeping the, the, the notes uh, on the shorter side to in uh, improve their pitch placement. So the exercise that you want to do here, uh, one that will work, and you want to do it pianissimo, with nice short sounds uh, like so. Do, 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 or bum, 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 bum. So instead of ma, 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 it's going to be do, 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 do. Not easy. Bum, 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 bum. And the idea has, it. we're not dealing with timbre. We are dealing uh, specifically with focusing on each individual pitch. The raised larynx, specifically the Adam's apple. This goes into the Kermit the Frog, froggy voice. Okay, so how do we work, how do we fix this? Have your students put their fingers on their Adam's apple. Now, obviously with the girls, they are much less likely to have anything that's going to be bulging out in their throats uh, as much as the, the boys may have it. And we know that some boys, they're very, very pronounced and some they aren't. But the idea is just to show them the general idea first. They're going to feel their throat. You're going to ask everyone to swallow, but instead of doing just a normal swallow, we want to hold the, the food in our mouths. So let have them do a swallow first while they're holding their throat. So, okay, so I just did a swallow. Now they're going to do the swallow, but the food that was in their mouth, they're going to hold the food and then finish the swallow and allow that amazing chocolate cake to go down to their belly. So they're going to swallow. And then as they complete the swallow, they're going to feel something inside of their throat drop. That's the most important thing. The fact that you're referring to it, even as an Adam's apple, is not as important as them feeling that sensation and then discussing the larynx and the fact that we don't want that larynx to be up high. We want to relax it, lower it, so we avoid the froggy's voice. See, what happens with singers, especially ones who are trying to sing correctly, is they're uh, this is the, the, the issue we, we run into with trying to raise the soft palate. In having those discussions with students about raising the soft palate, this can happen. Where not only is the soft palate raised, but now everything is raised. And that's not good. So what can we 
do another exercise that we can do to help them with this is to do a partial yawn. Now, when they do the yawn first, it's going to, they're probably going to do a complete one. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because we can all use a good yawn. So we do the nice big yawn. And we can feel our throats as we're doing this. Now do a partial yawn. In other words, you're going to start the yawn, but don't complete it. And as we do the partial yawn, the Adam's apple is going to drop, but this time we're going to do it during phonation. Phonation meaning we're making sounds. I was going in between no yawn and a yawn. Going in between the two so they can hear the difference in their voice. It's such an easy concept to teach for kids of any ages. Finally, I'd like to talk about diction and using tongue twisters. There's so many ways we can we can work on diction, but I found that tongue twisters tend to work the best. I went to a clinic many years ago where the person who who ran the master class who was internationally renowned uh, he was someone who stuttered quite a bit uh, when he was growing up and one of the things that took him a long time to realize was that and it had to do with the fact that he just hadn't figured out and seen the appropriate people to eliminate the stutter. But stuttering is caused from uh, students who are, uh, and people in general, who cannot get the words out because they are using the left side of their brain. Something is going on inside of there, and there's not a connection that's being made. So to eliminate that stutter they have to learn to use the right side of their brain to speak. Now, there's a bonus with this. When someone learns to use the right side of their brain for speech, they can do tongue twisters. We, as most of us out there who use the left side of our brain to speak, struggle with these tongue twisters because of the way that the different sides of our brain work. So, tongue twisters are excellent to focus on the consonants. For instance, I'm going to give you four different tongue twisters to consider today, and the idea is to focus on the consonants. First one, toy boat. Toy boat is a compound word, two different words joined together to make one. And it works great because if you try to elide the two words, one word directly into another, you're going to have all different types of problems. Toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. And eventually the toy boats are going to start to come out because of 
our left side of our brain wanting to do that oi sound again. So the toy boits start happening. The thing that you want to have your singers work on is clearly separating the two words. Toy boat. Toy boat, 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 toy boat. Now I'm not thinking at all of toy boat being one word, but two separate words. Another tongue twister. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, leather, leather. <laughs> Eventually, we wind up with the word lello. Lello is going to make its way into this tongue twister. Same concept. Red leather, yellow leather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Focusing on that particular sound, which is interesting because it's not as it's not even nearly as percussive a consonant as the T's in or the B with toy boat, but yellow leather. Third one, unique New York. Unique New York. Unique New York. Unique New York. Unique Unork. Unork. That's what's eventually going to happen. And the N is going to be gone. So we need to remember. And the N in this case is great because the N, mm, 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 again, not a percussive sound, not a percussive consonant, and one that we need to work on as the N goes very nicely into the vowel. Unique New New York. And then finally, and with York, by the way, make sure to get that nice K at the end. And the same K sound with unique. <laughs> Final tongue twister. Good blood, bad blood. Now, the one thing I'll say with this one is be careful that with this particular exercise, because I've actually, I actually had a student once faint when I just simply said the word blood. So just keep that in the back of your mind if you decide to do this exercise with your students. Uh, but good blood, bad blood, good blood, blad blood, blad is what's eventually going to happen because of the blood, blood. Now we have that B and you're going to wind up with blad blood or blad bud. So good blood, blad bud. And that will occur with, with your singers. Now, again, I don't have the answers for everything. These are just concepts to get you thinking about the ways you want to develop timbre and develop good tone quality with your students. I hope that you'll take this to the next level. Do research on your own. I don't absolutely do not pretend to know everything. I will be the first to admit that like basically everyone else in the world, we're really doing a lot of recycling of concepts. I don't think there's anything that's new here, but it's just the way that I may have presented some of this, which hopefully will be exciting to you and will give you some new ideas to incorporate with your singers. I wish you the best. 
with your, your teaching. For those of you who are going to be starting the new school year, I hope you have a, a great school year. If you have any questions, uh, please feel free to contact me through my website, uh, brasstenor.com. You can find me at uh, Twitter, which, my again, my handle on there is brasstenor, and I'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. Be well.